Welcome back to Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and in today's episode, we will be getting into creepy, spooky church stories. All right, here we go. All right, so in today's episode, we're going to be getting into spooky church stories. Growing up as a church kid, I can personally attest to there not being any creepier place than the sanctuary of a church at night. Um, for some reason, it's just very creepy. <laughs> I know uh, our church had a Christian school attached to it and everything, and my mom would stay late, like, you know, 9, 10 o'clock, doing whatever teachers do, um, lesson plans and getting stuff ready for the next day. And we would always hear like basketballs and stuff being uh, thrown and bounced in the gym and people laughing. And so we'd run down there thinking, you know, one of our friends was there that we could play with and all the lights were off and nobody was in the gym. (laughs) But back to the sanctuary, um, plenty of times we've had to be the ones to shut off the lights or, uh, you know, as kids, we were allowed to run around in there until we knocked ourselves silly against a pew, you know, with the lights off. And I always remember there was like this fear of like somebody else was in there. I know one of my older sisters would have like a lock-in or something, And they'd start telling scary stories. So they thought they would be safe in the sanctuary. And whenever they went in there, um, anytime they opened a door, the glass would rattle in the sound room. Um, It was like a little window. And they would be telling scary stories and nobody would be coming or going. They were all right there. And the glass would kept rattling while they were telling stories, like somebody was coming in and out. I've heard so many people tell me that uh, who work there, um, you know, they'll hear doors opening or shutting and go and nobody will be there or just feeling observed whenever they're going from place to place, like through the sanctuary to go to the bathroom or something like that. So it is a known thing that churches are kind of creepy. Um I remember growing up, they always talked about demons and stuff like that for some reason in our church. And as a kid, it really genuinely frightened me because on the one hand, they're talking hell and brimstone. And then on the other hand, they'd be talking about demons and stuff like that as a very real part of everyday life. So I do know one of my uncles was a traveling preacher that would go and you know, get rid of those kind of things and cleanse places. But he was uh, praying over uh, this little church and they had some people living in the back apartment and everything. And they were just telling the devil to get out of there and all this kind of stuff because things were happening and all the windows busted (laughs) while they were praying. And stuff like that like whenever you grow up with that southern this happens in real time belief and i would call it superstition but it's truly a belief 
um, because these things happen and continue to happen. Um, so I do think it's a very real phenomena of like an energy exchange. Um, I know I've been to several lock-ins and everything and always come away with a spooky shadow or a spooky story from being in the church. Um, whenever I would get sick at the Christian school, my mom still had to work. So I would go sleep in the sanctuary. And I remember it just being the creepiest place to go. <laughs> I would always have to sleep closest to the exit. So if something did happen, I could exit quickly. Um, my friends have talked about being in their church late at night. Um, and be talking scary stories. I don't know what inspires kids to tell scary stories in a spiritual place like a church, but I digress. Um, they would be telling scary stories, and then the band equipment would start making noises, like the cymbal would clang, and you know stuff would be moved around, or a chair would move. Just different things like that. And as a kid growing up in Christian school and church and just inundated in the christian philosophy you always think things are angels or demons uh immediately so now that i'm an adult i'm not sure what i believe as far as what is in the church because there is a theory out there that whenever people are in there and they're fear-based like they're feeding into the hell fear or the rapture fear and making themselves as low as possible and humbling themselves and, you know, prostrating themselves on an altar. There is a theory that that is feeding a spirit that is not a good one. Um, I know that's sacrilege for some people, but it's a theory that's out there. So I think that adds to the creep factor of like that fear and stuff is low vibrational stuff and it is feeding a spirit it just might not be the god they think it is so with that being said um i just i don't know i think that a lot of this stuff comes down to it's a place known for energy exchanges and i think that energy you know, can be, is a known thing that it can be, it can't be created or destroyed, just change, uh, change form or whatever, or exchanged. I don't know. It's something Einstein said, but anyway, um, <clears throat> I think that has to do with like these emotional highs and emotional lows that happen in this space in a spiritual connotation is directing it towards the unknown, the spiritual. And I think that stuff resonates. So I think that's why people don't feel alone whenever they go into a dark sanctuary. I think that energy is still there and can mess with people. All right. Today's a little different. Um, I do have some historical articles about historically haunted churches but I want to start with some TikToks, um, some different content creators that came up with uh, different stories from their own experiences. All right. With that being said, here we go. 
All right. We're going to hear from Wes Piper. He's a content creator who tells us about a spooky experience that he had in church. I was practicing in this very creepy church at like 1 a.m. And I turned on the lights because it was dark. And they flickered in a pattern around the room. Then there was a booming sound through the sound system, which I do not believe was on. I played the doxology and got the hell out of there. Another time late at night, I was practicing and playing loudly. And then I stopped. And then the door next to the altar slammed shut so loudly, scared the hell out of me. And there's no reason why there were no drafts. I just got right up and walked out of the church. Cloaked figure sitting in the pews. And then when I turn and look at it exactly, it's not there. I do have one thing that's so scary that I have no explanation for it that deserves its own video. Two people saw the same figure in two different doorways. My name's Mary Johnson, and I'm a member of the First Unitarian Church in Alton, Illinois. People have reported the apparition of a tall man with black pants and a white shirt. People have reported feeling a passing breeze on their necks. People have heard voices during the day. Our members and at least two ministers have reported. Ministers. Yes, two ministers reported that. They think it's Philip Mercer's. The, the Reverend Philip Mercer committed suicide in November of 1934, and they don't really know why. Philip Mercer was found hanging right around here, and he was hanging in the transom with a cord around his neck, standing on a chair. He was here for a whole day hanging. That was from TikTok user The Paranormal Files. This is the most haunted church in New York City. St. Mark's in the Bowery is one of New York City's oldest churches. It was built in 1795 and has been a place of worship for centuries. Throughout that time, the church has seen many visitors, both living and beyond. Many of the employees of this church, who've worked here for years, have reported many odd occurrences happening here throughout their time, such as seeing figures standing at the front of the church or sitting in the balcony for a split second before completely vanishing into thin air. One of the most popular ghosts of this church is former Director General Peter Stuyvesant, who's actually buried in a tomb beneath the land. Many patrons believe they still hear the sound of Peter Stuyvesant dragging his cane through the halls of this church. And that was from Experience First. So this one's a little different uh, perspective. It's not about a creepy church, but it's about some very real church practices that, uh, you know, people grew up with and probably contribute to the fear of empty, dark churches. All right, let's listen. This comes from A Deeper Dive with Key. Was anybody else traumatized from church as a child? So I'm a Christian and I grew up Christian. When I was little, we didn't have um, Hallelujah Night. It was called something else, but it's what you consider Hallelujah Night. They did like this program with this church that I used to go to in Long Beach, California. And we'd be in a sanctuary and like somebody, it'll be like a youth pastor or like a, a somebody just like ministering. And then all of a sudden the, um, the lights used to go on and off. Somebody would be flickering the light. And then all of a sudden, it's these people dressed up in all black, and they'd be, like, taking people out of the sanctuary. And so it used to signify, like, the rapture. And um, 
basically like when the lights come on like you were the people that were left and you were like you had switched in an instant and now you're in heaven and so the people that was um still in the sanctuary that went to heaven quote unquote they would go um to the back to eat and they would have like you know the nachos and good food and stuff like that and then the people that went to hell, they would be in these hot ass trailers and, <laughs> and like, they would be feeding them like spicy food. It was just a lot. And then they would start like talking to them about the scripture and how important it was to save your soul. But y'all, that shit was so traumatic as a kid. I never went to the hell one, but because my mom was like involved in church and ministry, um, I got to see where the hell trailers looked like and like what they were doing in the hell trailers. And y'all, that used to scare me so bad. Like one of my worst fears growing up as a Christian was going to hell because like, I just feel like, the church used to talk about it so much. The fiery flames. Like, it was traumatic. Like, it was very traumatic. Who else was traumatized by church? This is a story about my personal experience. I remember like it was yesterday. I have had a lot of experiences. Creepy and interesting ones. But this one I can't seem to shake. It was 2010. My grandparents had owned a church that had a house attached to the building where it was livable. It had a backyard just like any normal house would. It had the church and the church parking lot. It also had attached what we called a fellowship hall. It had seating for a big crowd, as well as a kitchen and bathroom for Sunday lunches. Because this house and church had housed many funerals, we always knew that the land bad some type of spirit activity, as we had many encounters. At the time, we lived on the same property, so late at night, we would sometimes go into the house to use the restroom and cook and do other things. One night in particular, me and my sister at the time were walking down the dark hallway in the house, trying to be quiet as we were just teenagers at the time. We did not want to get caught. Well, stepping lightly coming to the end of the long hallway was the living room and the kitchen. The bathroom and the laundry room were just off the hallway as well. We had proceeded through the darkness with just a small flashlight into the kitchen. Me and my sister at the time looked over onto the couch, knowing that nobody should ever be on the couch at 1am. Our grandparents slept in the same room, but on different beds. Well, that night, after looking over at the couch in pitch darkness, we seen an outline of what looked like our grandma sleeping on the couch, which was very odd at the time, as this is not something she did this time of the night. And like sneaky teenagers, and we grab some sodas and some chips, and we start to head back out. We both looked over at the couch and shined the flashlight at the couch, only to see that there was no one on the couch, and we heard no one. This house, late at night, has always been very creepy. Once we proceeded through the dark hallway out the front door and away from the house, we both looked at each other, confirming with each other that we did see somebody on the couch. It was a creepy feeling and sensation knowing you seen something, but knowing that it was gone within a single minute. We had spoken to our aunt a few weeks later, and she said she is sure an older lady had passed away in that house before. She had also experienced creepy things late at night, and she would never go to the bathroom by herself. Alright, that was from Zero's World. Okay, so I have a story time. So, I belong to a 
well-known church in my home state of California, right? So my grandparents, along with a lot of my friends' grandparents, founded the church. So uh, the church used to be a old movie theater, and um, the place was creepy, just beyond creepy, okay? So um, we no longer are in the building. Another church has a building, so let me just say that. But anyway, let me get into this story time. So... I've always had weird experiences at this church. Um, I don't understand why. Well, now that I'm older, I understand why. Okay, so um, I was asked to turn the lights off in the front of the church. The church is huge, right? So it has like these cascading stairs that come down on both sides and they meet in the middle. So the church had beautiful bones for taking wedding pictures and things like that, which are bridal party. So um, one night after rehearsal, I was asked to turn the lights off. So I turned the lights off, and um, as I turned around, there was a man standing on the left-hand side of the stairs, and I thought that everybody was gone from the church, right? And um, I literally can visualize him right now. Once you see him, you always see him. So let me just give that disclaimer as well, too. So he had to have stood about eight feet tall, long gray cloak, a big brim hat to match, but his features were very dark and his eyes were red. And I'm wondering, I'm like, who the hell is this? You know, and nothing scares me other than snakes. That's the only thing that I am frightened of in this life. Everything else, you know, it's whatever. It'll startle me, but it won't scare me. So this man didn't scare me, but I was like, what the hell? So um, I thought I was crazy. I was like, okay, I really didn't see that person, right? until my sister went to turn the lights off in the church. And I can remember being at the very front of the building in the choir stand because they had remodeled it. So there were stairs leading up to the choir stand, which was the stage at that point. So my sister came busting through the doors. We had two sides. There were two single doors on the side, two swinging doors in the middle. She came busting through, showed up to her nose, and I was like, I bet you she saw that man. And years later, I asked her, I said, when you turned the lights off in the church, did you see that person standing on the stairs? And she was like, yes, who was that? You have to like for part two because this story gets so much better. Anyway, so I stopped off where asking my sister, you know, did she see that man on the stairs? And she said, yeah, who is that? Well, I never knew who he was, so I always kind of called him like the gray man, which is ironic because they had some kind of movie come out about a gray man. So um, ever since I started seeing this person, every time I would go upstairs, I would see him in the shadows. Like, I could only see him. And if my sister was with me, she was not about that life. She was like, forget that. I'm going back downstairs. So if you know anything about old school movie theaters, they had a balcony. So this church was so old. It had so many levels, so many nooks and crannies. They even had an apartment attached along with the restaurant. It was really strange. So this gray man would always show up anytime I stepped into the church. And I never got a peaceful feeling about him at all whatsoever so fast forward to church service one Sunday I was standing at the very end because I was on the praise team so I was singing tenor that day so I was at the very end of the line 
and we were holding hands for prayer and something very tall came up and grabbed my hand. My hand literally curved in to hold the hand. So instead of me praying, I'm looking to the side like, is this man holding my hand? He was holding my hand. And I always, I, I always told God, I said, listen, whatever gifts you have, that's fine. I just don't want to ever see them. I forgot to tell him, don't let him touch me. So, yeah, he did exactly what I asked, but I missed the part. So he would hold my hand. Um, I have been pushed in that church, so I would always hold on to the railings walking down because I have been shoved. Um, also, there was a time, of course, I had to go back in the church by myself, and I'm walking in the front of the church, like where you go to give your offering, right? I walk in there and the church was full of dead people. Kid you not, I felt their eyes on me. So I would stop and look and I'm like, okay, the church is full of people. Let me get out of here because they must be having some kind of ghost service. Hey, okay, so I have to do a part three because three minutes is just not long enough. So when I came into the church, um, it was full of dead people, like ice cold dead people like you you so you know those movies where you can see your breath like you know you breathe and it's just colder yes very much so that um i have seen shadows walking like in between people when we were actually in the church service um there have been times in that church where we could have turned the lights off and be in the front of the church talking like when i say the front of the church I'm talking about like the lobby area of the church talking. And um, I have heard like the old school chairs slam down. So there was a man um, and just for respect of his daughter, I'm not going to say his name, um, especially if there's people in here that know me from the church, but he used to put all the seats up after church. He was very OCD about it. Um, so he always used to make sure that they were uniformed those seats would be pulled down and you could hear it. It was like, bam. And I'm like, what the hell was that noise? But I was smart enough not to look in the door, but I knew what that sound was. And so they would just come and slam the seats down. And then we had ended up having a lady that used to clean the church, but she lived in the upper apartment. And it was really weird how to get to the apartment. It was these narrow stairs. Like when I say that this building is old, it had to have been built in like the 1920s. It's that kind of old, right? So one time she finally told me, she was like, I don't know what's going on in this church, but she was like, I feel like there's something else in here with me. She's like, I'm scared to be in the church at night cleaning. So I clean during the day. And I said, have you ever heard the seat slamming? She's like, I hear it all the time. And she's like, and I have no idea who that man is that's always at the stairs. I said, now see, I'm not crazy. That means that's a third person that has seen this man. So now, after stitching this young lady's video, I'm really honestly thinking about doing research on the building to find out like how many people have come through there, how old the building is and things like that. I always tell people, it is not in your best interest to have your wedding at a church. And the reason why is because there's so many spirits because you, how can you have a funeral in the same space as you have a wedding? There's sadness that's gonna attach itself to lifelong love. 
And I'm like, if the minister doesn't clear the space, all of that energy is in there. And I believe that that church was a portal. That comes from the real Mr. Slee 21. All right. This one comes from Lay HD 48. And it's actually a story from Kentucky. So I'm from Kentucky. So that's always cool to find. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's story time. This is the true story of Mammoth Cave Baptist Church in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. The church is small and white, accompanied by both marked and unmarked graves, dating back to the 19th century. The church was established in 1827 and is repeatedly said to be haunted by evil spirits. Spirits unwelcoming to visitors. Western Kentucky University alumni Christina Scott was familiar with the spot when she took her now fiance there three years ago. It was summer, so the June bugs were going crazy, but other than that, it was dead quiet. She said, quote, we were at the altar looking at the name scrawled into the wood when all of a sudden one of the pews in the very back scooted forward, pushing the one in front of it forward at an angle too. Unquote. Scott isn't the only visitor to the church who has experienced the paranormal. One unnamed Cave City resident presented the retelling of a popular story about the church where years ago a man dared two girls to stay inside the church for 10 minutes. When he returned, the girls were running toward him, followed by bright floating white lights. The man's grandmother later told them they were lucky to get out alive. Another woman confirmed a story of being able to hear a congregation talking in the church if you close your eyes and sit down. All right, this comes from Switched Up Mama on TikTok. Here we go. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen with your own eyes happen in church? Oh, I have a million of these stories that I could tell. I grew up in Pentecostal churches, non-denominational churches. Um, and one night, I was probably six or seven years old, we were at a little country church out in the middle of nowhere. Probably like 30 people that go to the church. And they were laying hands on people and praying. And people were speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit which was nothing abnormal at a Pentecostal church. Then this woman came to the front and they laid hands on her. And all of a sudden somebody proclaimed that she was demon possessed. The lady fell over on the ground and started slithering like a snake. Both of her hands be beside her, just slithering down the aisles like a snake under the pews. Just, I don't know how she was moving. She was sticking her tongue out and flicking it, and um, it scared me to death. My mom's trying to get my sister and I out the building. My sister's like two at this time, one, two, little bitty. And um, before we could make it out of the building, I look up at the front, and we're like standing at the back of the church, and she's made her way, this woman's made her way to the front, and they lay her hand, the hands on her, to pray for her and she lets out a blood 
curdling scream, something I have never heard since and I don't want to hear again, with her mouth closed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that. It was terrifying. So my mom was like, oh my gosh, get these kids out of here. Because there's a thing, I don't know why, but when I grew up, they're like, if somebody's demon possessed, try to get the kids out of there because they're innocents. I don't know. Okay, so we get to the back. Finally, we're getting ready to go out the doors. The woman then starts vomiting foam that smelled like tar. And I remember this so distinctively. All of this is true. It happened. I have a million more stories I could tell just like this. Um, Mom finally got us outside into the car. And then they, my parents ordered why, like, we were scared of the dark and didn't want to sleep in our own bed. Um, hello? Snake woman. It still gives me um, terrible anxiety to think about it terrible and um emotional damage all right this comes from spooky alley cake so since i told you all a less exciting story today i'm going to come back with another story time this is the story i like to call the demonic church <laughs> so when i was a kid i was in a youth group at a church and I'm not going to say the name of this church because I feel like the people who own the church would be upset that I'm talking about demons being in it. So I had attended youth group f since I was a little kid at another church, but then I moved to this demonic church um, when I was like a teenager. So they had a lock-in one night. Y'all know where this is going. So basically a lock-in is where the youth group spends the night at the church with leaders there, of course, like, you know, adults are present. Um, but uh, they play games, they listen to music, they, you know, do Bible study, whatever. So we were all having our last like bathroom break before we went to sleep and we all went in groups and it was me and this group of like, other girls who were a little bit younger than I was. So that bathroom was at the end of a long, creepy hallway. So we were already really spooked going down there. And I had always been creeped out by that bathroom, but like, I didn't really think anything of it. So we go into the bathroom and do our business. And as I'm washing my hands, I felt this weird, like, tingle slash burning feeling. I asked one of the other girls to look at it and I lifted my shirt and there were three long scratches across my back. When I tell you there is no way that these could have just appeared, like I didn't, there was nothing sticking out. I didn't scratch my back accidentally on anything. It just appeared while I was washing my hands and nothing was behind me. So we freaked the hell out and leave. And I tell one of the like teachers slash older leaders what happened. And she was like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And I was like, what? And she was like, there have been so many times that kids have gone back to the bathroom and come running because they were so scared. Like, there's definitely something here. So, yeah, they were just really bad vibes in that bathroom. And, like, we all sensed it and we're all scared to go there. And then for me to get scratched on the back by an unseen force was really freaky. 
There's also a really common theory that three scratches is always demonic because it's a mocking of the Trinity. So that's what I had, and it was really scary. That is one of the few times I've ever been touched by a spirit. So yeah, churches can be haunted too, you guys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Now we're going to jump into 10 scary churches from around the world that will creep you out. This comes from thetravel.com by Christy Ambrose. All right. Whether you're a ghost hunter, a history buff, or someone who loves architecture, there's nothing quite like an old church. All of the churches on this list are still in working order as centers of worships or museums. You could tour the sites, attend mass, see ancient artifacts, or visit a holy feast day. There's a mix of Christian denominations featured in these various churches, so check your calendars for specific days before you visit. Either way, be prepared for some serious goosebumps, because these are some creepy old churches. Number 10. Church of Mother of God Before 10. Prague, Czech Republic. Even in the daytime, the exterior brick and high gothic spires are intimidating. A vampire would have lived in the towers like these. Take a night tour when the interior is mixed with a little more than candlelight, and the place sends chills down your spine. The church dates from 14th century, and the old Baroque designs and altar paintings seem to move in the dim light. Like most old European churches, this one contains burials and tombs, and most notable being the one of astronomer Tycho Brahe. Number 9. The Borgund Stave Church, Borgund, Norway. The unique architecture of this former church and its location in the middle of a medieval cemetery are chilling and fascinating. The only stone you will find here is the foundation. The building is named for the brilliant designs it utilizes, consisting of only wood that's cut specifically to fit together without nails or stakes. It seems to have worked well since the building has stood for more than a thousand years. Some sacred accessories remain, like the altar, the walls, and the walls are decorated with various engravings of animals and mystical creatures. The decor even includes some Norse runes. Number 8. Norwich Cathedral, Norwich, England Thousands of curious tourists, many of them keep keen on the paranormal, a tour through this ancient church on a regular basis. That won't keep it from creeping you right out. The mix of imposing Norman, Romanesque, and ethereal Gothic architecture is just the first step. The church and surrounding cloisters are almost a thousand years old, and they've seen a lot of turbulent history. The site is home to various hauntings. Some of the former bishops, priests, and nuns 
others of people who were burned at the stake, and ancient Saxons whose homes and temples were raised to make way for the cathedral. Number seven, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, Key West, Florida. Right, this church only looks so bright and new because it's been rebuilt so many times. In fact, excavations have determined that the site was once a Seminole burial ground, and that's only the beginning. The land was privately owned by the Fleming family before the church was built, and the land was only granted after the widow was assured her husband's remains, already interred on the land, would not be disturbed. Local legend says the promise was broken, and the ghost of John William Charles Fleming still wanders the site. Other apparitions have been reported in the church graveyard. A ghostly group of children who were killed in a fire set by a jealous deacon who was trying to take revenge on his unfaithful wife. Number six, St. Michael's Chapel, Hallstatt, Austria. This is where you can find the famous Hallstatt Ossuary, which contains the largest collection of human-painted skulls on the planet. The view from here is heavenly, complete with mountains and an alpine lake. This chapel and charnel house date from a time when Catholics had to be buried in the consecrated ground so they could rise from their graves when the end times came. The result was the many graveyards were crowded, and storing bones in an ossuary or using them for religious displays was one way to solve this problem. Enjoy the view as you admire the array of human bones. St. Andrews on the Red, Selkirk, Canada Ancient, according to North American standards, St. Andrews is the oldest stone church in western Canada. It's located in a small suburb of Winnipeg and has stood since 1831. Its location on a lightly forested hill and the Gothic design is rather imposing. Both the church and graveyard that surrounds it are apparently haunted. Victims of influenza, diphtheria, typhoid, and tuberculosis is the only from the early colonial era were some of the first to be interred here, and their restless spirits still wander the ground. Number four, St. Mikan's Church, Dublin, Ireland. Before this church was built here in 1095, it was the site of an old Norse chapel. It was likely a temple, a burial site before that. Even in this crowded and modern urban setting, the plain-looking church has some amazing interior features, even more dramatic history. What makes this church so unique and terrifying is the collection of mummies. The limestone vaults have kept the air dry, creating the ideal environment for preservation. The crypts are filled with dusty coffins and rough stone, a sight to make anyone's hair stand on end. Don't miss the crusader and the 400-year-old nun. 3. The Duomo of Cosenza, Cosenza, Italy. Like many places in this ancient part of Italy, the city's main cathedral is so old nobody knows exactly when it was built. It was one of the first sites in Calabria to be awarded UNESCO heritage status, partly for this reason. Consecrated as a cathedral, or Duomo, 
1184. The actual structure is much older than that. If you visit today, you can see the changes in architecture that have taken place over the centuries, which is one of the features that makes this church so overwhelming. It blends into surrounding buildings and seems to hide below them. The low street level is a testament to its advanced age. There are various ancient burials in the church, many of which are on display, such as the bones of the cathedral's first priest. Number two, Cathedral of the Assumption of Our Lady, Guadalajara, Mexico. When the sun hits the right angle, it makes the old bricks seem to glow with ethereal orange light. The Spanish Renaissance exterior, framed by Gothic spires, is both romantic and chilling. The interior has impressive neo-Gothic vaults and houses impressive artwork from the late medieval and modern period, which makes the place seem even more otherworldly. One of the most popular attractions here is the Crypt of the Archbishops. If that doesn't give you chills, the mummified bodies on display will. There's one that dates from the 1700s of a child that was killed for converting to Catholicism. Witnesses claim to have seen her eyes blink and watch her hair move. Number one, St. Thomas Anglican Parish of Mulgoa, New South Wales, Australia. A quaint church has a striking Gothic revival design, and its age and location on a hillside in a semi-rural area hide a tragic history. Legend has it that two young boys died in a fire in the bell tower after a prank went horribly wrong. Any kind of light, even candles, angers these restless spirits. Reports of strange issues with lights flashing on and off have been reported, even by drivers cruising by apparently having issues with headlights. The surrounding cemetery, filled with monuments that date back 200 years, completes the creepy picture. All right, very cool article. All right, so now we go over to amyscrypt.com, where we see an article that is written, Five Creepiest Churches in the World. All right, it begins. Churches are generally places of worship, faith, prayer, and religion. However, every so often, a church becomes something that can only be described as creepy. This list doesn't necessarily contain only haunted locations, yet there is something amiss and a little off about each of the places featured below. Here are the world's creepiest churches. Number five. I found this one particularly disturbing. Museum of Purgatory. Our first creepy church brings us to Rome, Italy, an incredibly ancient city with history on every corner. Standing proud along one of Rome's most prominent rivers is the Sacro Cuor del Defragio, an ornate Gothic church with hidden dark secrets. Located in the bowels of this church is the Museum of Purgatory. This small exhibit contains artifacts that have been touched and therefore marked by souls trapped in purgatory. Purgatory is an old Catholic belief where the soul becomes stuck in a limbo state after death because it must atone for its sins before moving on to the next journey. Supposedly, those stuck in purgatory had returned to their loved ones for assistance and left 
behind burned handprints on clothing, Bibles, and other household items. These are now all kept on display. This location is truly unsettling place and a reminder of the great unknown that awaits us all after death. And it shows a picture of these cloths and different items framed on the wall, supposedly marked by these trap souls. So creepy. Number four, Snagov Monastery. Now on to a Romania to find our next creepy church, the Snagov Monastery. This island-bound church at first glance seems picture-perfect, yet it does have a dark side. This church is the final resting place for one of the most notorious and bloodthirsty rulers of all time. Founded back in the 14th century, more than just one church has stood up upon this island. The original wooden structure was doomed, eventually sinking into the surrounding lake, causing locals to believe the island was cursed. Eventually, the island was to become the resting place of Vlad Tepes, better known as Vlad the Impaler, a real-life inspiration of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Vlad is said to be buried at the entrance to the church. There was a belief that Vlad had committed more atrocities in his life than any individual ever should, so he was placed in the church's entry so anyone walking over his grave would have to take some of his sins upon themselves. Wow, people back then were so creative. <laughs> there remains some mystery and debate whether Vlad is actually even buried at the Snagov Monastery, an excavation in the 1930s seemed to support that he may have been buried elsewhere. The monastery is still said to have ties to Vlad regardless, who had fortifications surrounding the island and a jail and torture chamber on the island itself. Number three, Wolseli Church. In a remote part of South Australia lies an artificial ghost town known as Old Talem Town. This attraction consists of many buildings, most of which are over 100 years old, that have been abandoned and then relocated to this town. There is a massive mix of history and dark events tied to many of these buildings. Some of them are considered to be haunted. One of the buildings that has gained a reputation for being possibly the most haunted building in Old Talem Town is its church, the Wolseley Methodist Church is feared by many. Countless visitors to the building have claimed to have had weird experiences. These include strange sensations, sighting shadow people, and even interacting with a young boy who was thought to have drowned on the property many years ago. This formidable church certainly has given many the creeps and truly earned its place on the list through its reputation. Right... You can even schedule nighttime ghost tours there. Wow. Number two, Carta Monastery. The next creepy church location brings us back to Romania. In the Transylvanian countryside rests the quaint Carta Monastery. Most would recognize this location as its name ties it to the hit film The Nun. It was used as the location for the horror flick which portrayed the abbey as being haunted by a demonic nun. 
Although the real-life monastery doesn't have any such hauntings, it does have a few others of its own. Supposedly, the ghosts of a number of monks who lived within the monastery during the medieval times are still present. They are often seen roaming the churchyard of the monastery, where their graves still sit. In addition to this, two large male skeletons were recently uncovered buried in the underground cellar of the church. Ever since, poltergeist activity has plagued the cellar and the church. Alright, and number one, Sedlik Ossuary. The final creepy church destination on this list brings us to the small town Kutna Hora of the Czech Republic. Here exists a church so creepy it has been dubbed the Bone Church. The Sedlik Ossuary contains elaborate designs that are constructed solely out of human bones. It is estimated to contain somewhere between 40 to 70,000 people's remains. The story of the ossuary dates back to the 13th century when an abbot made the pilgrimage to the Holy Land of Jerusalem. Upon his return, he sprinkled some soil he had taken from the Holy Land over the local cemetery. This caused the cemetery to be a very sought place to be buried. The more and more bodies were buried, the cemetery cemetery began to overflow. To counteract this issue, bodies were exhumed and stored in the, a purpose-built church. The intricate designs seen today were put together later in the 1800s and are what has led to the local gaining the number one spot on the creepy church list. Alright, we're going now to a ghost story from a haunted Catholic rectory outside Eastern Market by Kinsey Clark. This comes from theneighborhoods.org. We visited the spooky house so you wouldn't have to. Forest Park. The St. Albertus historic site at St. Aubin's Street is imposing on a sunny day, but on their dreary Wednesday in October, when the neighborhood's photographer, Cyrus Tete, Storyteller Dorothy Hernandez and I visited. The Gothic Revival Rectory was downright spooky. Built in 1891, the red brick of the rectory stood out against the gloom, but the windows were dark. At some point in time, the outside trim had been painted white. Now it was a mottled gray, cracked and weathered and ancient. Inside, the wooden floors creaked. Stairwells and hallways were swept in deep shadow, and the air buzzed with the restless energy of spirits long departed. And someone actually lives there. Steve Baca, 33, has called the St. Albertus Rectory home for a year. They're a member of the Polish-American Historic Site Association and oversees the grounds. The church blocks away from Eastern Market and inactive since 1990, has since been turned into a historic site and Polish museum. We started our tour on the second floor residences, where Stevie, who uses the pronouns they, them, opened a hallway door and started up the pitch black staircase behind it. Everyone laughed nervously as we made our way to the attic, half joking that we wouldn't split up for any reason while touring the house. 
I like this room because it's really creepy, Stevie said when we reached the top of the staircase. The front room of the attic was small, dark, and had a low ceiling. Watery light filtered through the attic windows, silhouetting the tapered candles set up altar style on the windowsill. An old book of spells lay face up in the middle of the floor. Stevie self-identifies as a witch who enjoys doing ritualistic earth things. And the attic is one of the places they practice. After the four of us agreed that they, that we wouldn't end up being horror flick stereotypes, Stevie led us through multiple dark corridors to the narrow, claustrophobic maids' quarters. Using the flashlight on their phone, we made our way down the stairwell. The walls were exposed and hairy, horsehair plaster. Stevie's family has inhabited the rectory for decades. Their grandparents were married in the church across the grounds, and Stevie's brother also lived in and renovated parts of the rectory. Family history and church history go hand in hand here. While we toured, Stevie said they've always felt that they were able to see ghosts. When they were a teen, Stevie saw someone come out of one of the rooms they live in now and stand in the hallway. That was when no one lived on the second floor, they said. It was weird to me because I couldn't convince myself that it was someone, something else. No one lived in these rooms. Since moving back to Detroit a year ago, after a stint in Chicago, Stevie said they were sitting in their living room when they saw the spirit again. I felt and saw something in a robe come out of that room, go out that door, and go that way. He pointed down the hall toward the grand staircase. Stevie assumes the ghost is a priest, because the room they occupy now was the priest's room. The first time Stevie encountered the ghost as a teen, it came out of their living room doorway and exited into the hallway. More recently, they've seen the spirit coming out of their bedroom, traveling through their living room, and circling back towards the grand staircase. They began to notice a pattern. Intrigued, Stevie began researching different types of hauntings. The things that I have found is that usually there is a ghost that haunts something. It moves throughout your house, and you're being haunted by that ghost, they said. The other kind of haunting they found was similar to a time loop, a la Disney's The Twilight Tone zone tower of terror if something happened it's forever repeating in the space that's the conclusion stevie reached about their own haunting it wasn't until i remembered when i saw that person come out of that doorway as a kid that i was like that was the end of that loop i saw the same haunting just from a different angle all right we hop back into the stories at heritagecalling.com, where they have an article, Five Chilling Tales from Churches in England. Uncover spooky stories of dark magic and local legends at five of England's most atmospheric churches. By Historic England. Number one, Witchcraft and the Flower Women at St. Mary's Church, Botsford. The Witches of Belvoir is one of the most famous tales of English witchcraft. In the early 1600s, Joan Flower lived in Botsford with her two daughters, Philippa and Margaret, who worked as servants for the Earl of Rutland at Belvoir Castle. Unpopular in their community and distrusted by the rest of the staff at Belvoir Castle, 
the sisters were dismissed for stealing. According to local legend, the flower women swore revenge on the earl and murdered his two sons and heirs to the earldom with witchcraft. The story is immortalized in the Botsford local church. The earl's tomb, which lies inside the building, commemorates the unusual death of the two boys, noting that both of which died in their infancy by wicked practices and sorcery. To this day, St. Mary's Church in Botsford hosts the only known tomb in England to determine witchcraft as a cause of death. Number two, the Spectre of Newby Church. Known as the Spectre of Newby Church, this eerie photograph might be one of the most famous instances of an alleged ghost caught on camera. This snap was captured at the Church of Christ the Consoler, a grade one listed Victoria Gothic Revival built in the 1870s on the grounds of Newby Hall in North Yorkshire. The photograph was taken in 1963 by Reverend Kenneth F. Lord, who claims he intended to capture the church's altar. Upon developing the picture, he noticed the dark translucent shape on the right, which bears an uncanny resemblance to a phantom. Some have speculated that the figure could be a 16th century monk cloaked in black. Unnervingly, it has been suggested that the figure's scale would make it 9 feet tall when compared to its surroundings. Right, very cool. And it is a creepy picture. Number three, the devil beneath St. Mary's Church, Akinham. St. Mary's Church in the Suffolk hamlet of Akinham looks like any unassuming rural parish church that you'd find dotted across the countryside. The grade two building dates back to the medieval period and has been redundant since the 70s. But St. Mary's is home to something much more disturbing than its lion-head gargoyles and grotesque corbels. According to legend, the devil himself sleeps below the church, under a broken tombstone known as the Devil's Grave. It is rumored that if you were to walk around the church anti-clockwise 13 times, the devil would be summoned from his stupor, but the consequences of doing so are unknown. Number 4. Hair-Raising Rituals at St. Mary's Church, Clophill At the center of the small village of Clophill in Bedfordshire sits the Church of St. Mary's, a Victorian chapel constructed over 1848 to 1849. The church was established to meet the needs of Clophill's growing population. But on the edge of the village is the old parish church, also known as the Church of St. Mary. It's thought to be one of Bedfordshire's most haunted buildings. The 14th century chapel fell into disuse from 1848 when its roomier counterpart replaced it. Largely forgotten about, the old parish church crumbled into ruins over the years, but was thrown into the spotlight in the 1960s when evidence of satanic rituals was discovered on the grounds. The church walls were found to have been marred with graffiti and graves have been rummaged. Number five, St. Nicholas's Church, Pluckley, England's, England's most haunted village. According to the 1989 edition of the Guinness Book of World Records, Pluckley is the most haunted village in Britain. 
apparently a hotspot for some chilling apparitions, it is said that there are 12 resident ghosts that haunt the area. This group of ghosts includes a phantom highwayman and a coach of horses. In particular, St. Nicholas's Church is said to be haunted by two ghosts, the White Lady and the Red Lady. Legend says that the Red Lady was buried in the graveyard in the 12th century in a coffin made of lead. Her name denotes the single red rose that was placed in her hands. All right, so now we go over to dcghost.com, where they're talking about Aquia Church. So there was a murder in Aquia Church. It begins. In the mid-1700s, a young blonde woman traveled the dark country roads in rural Stafford County when a highwayman group accosted her. This period was rife with uncertainty, exasperated by the war, and lack of resources, food, and money. Men would wade along roads to steal the valuables from people walking or riding in their hiding spots. She ran from the men to the sanctuary of a local church. She only managed to hide for a little while before they broke inside and murdered her in cold blood. Her body was hidden in the vestry, a Bellis church tower, the men who killed her were never caught. After the Revolutionary War ended in 1775, Aquia Church was ready to start services again. It was a total shock when the church members discovered a corpse hidden in the vestry. It was obvious the woman had been there for years, decades even at that point. She was nothing but a skeleton with a full head of beautiful blonde hair. Blood spilled on the vestry floor from her murder could never be removed. Despite using every trick in the book, the bloodstains remained in the tower for well over a hundred years. It was only then, during a restoration period, that the blood was covered up by concrete. The details of her life, death, and murder are unknown. It's strange how long she was left in the vestry. It had certainly taken many years for the church to find her, so it would make sense that the woman might find herself attached to the church since her death. The Hauntings of the Church Such tragic story seems to be perfect fodder for a spooky little ghost story. After all, it's commonly thought that tragic sudden deaths can cause a person's spirit to stay behind. They either don't realize they are dead, or are angry and have unfinished business, sometimes revenge that needs to be met out to move on. Strange things have happened in the church ever since the discovery of the woman's skeleton. Members of the church have mentioned hearing footsteps walking around at all hours of the day and night. The footsteps will break into a frantic run around the church at night. But no one is there. Noises can be heard in the vestry. Some are saying it sounds like a struggle. There are sounds of a groan, a whistle, or even a call for help. Several people have also mentioned seeing a transparent woman in the church's windows, on the balcony, or even in the graveyard. The church members have dubbed her the Blonde Beth, due to the hair of the skeleton found upstairs. The haunting is frightening enough that many people avoid it at night when the activity gets stronger. In the 1900s, brave people would try to stay the night at the church, but were chased away by an unfriendly presence. A custodian working in the graveyard saw a ghostly woman's face floating above the graves. Another man saw a woman smiling at him through the balcony windows before she vanished.
The Curious Ghost and Second Civil War. In the 1990s, there was a celebration at Aquia Church for their bicentennial anniversary. The church invited a group of Civil War reenactors to pitch their tents on the church's lawn between the graveyard and the church building. They planned to stay from Saturday night till Sunday. The next morning, Father Kerr of the church spoke with the group before church services began. While talking about their plans for the day and asking how their night had gone, a few group members admitted they had a strange incident the night before. A man explained to Father Kerr that he had witnessed a red and orange flickering light in the vestry. It swayed back and forth, and he had flickered on and off the entire night. Other people confirmed they had seen the light, too. One person jokingly suggested it was a ghost. Then he told Father to check out the light bulb in the vestry. It was probably loose in the socket, and that's why the light had been flickered. Father Kerr just smiled at the group. He explained that the light was probably the blonde Beth, the church's ghost, without missing a beat. He thought she might be curious about the Civil War soldiers camped on the lawn of the church, and why had they returned after a full 200 years since the war had ended. He also explained to the shock group that it certainly wasn't a light bulb they'd witnessed all night, because the vestry had no electrical wiring or lights. Alright, very cool. And it says they still hold services today. Cool. All right, so we go over to utahstories.com, where they have an article, A Ghost Plays Piano in an Old Mormon Church in the Middle of the Night, by David Jensen. All right. Graveyards are notoriously scary places, especially after dark, and the same is true of old church houses. Churches, despite being houses of God, can also attract opposing forces, making them concentrated gathering points for both good and evil. My first experience with the darker side of churches came right after high school, after taking a vocational floor covering class in my senior year. I landed a job working as a contractor who carpeted old Latter-day Saint Mormon ward houses as they were renovated. Carpet was the last improvements made to these older, sprawling buildings, and a job could take a few days to a week. The boss, along with a crew of three or four apprentices, would haul a load of hundreds of yards of carpet and horsehair pad to a rural church building, and we would stay there until the job was done. We worked 20 hours a day, stopping only long enough to eat occasionally, and hopefully catch three or four hours of much-needed sleep. The padding was itchy and the carpet was heavy, stiff, and hard to cut. It was grueling work. Late one autumn night, at a pioneer-era building in central Utah, three of us threw our sleeping bags onto the floor in the church basement, where it was cool. We were directly below an upstairs room with a piano. The other two guys fell asleep instantly, while I lay there with my eyes wide open, unable to sleep despite my exhaustion. A short while later, as I was wishing my insomnia would take a hike, there was a crash of noise from the piano upstairs. I sat bolt upright, knowing full well that we were the only people in the church. As such, we were responsible for building security, and I knew that all the doors and windows had been closed and locked hours earlier. Not only that, but after a few days there, I also knew that no one could walk into the room, 
into that room without the hundred-year-old floorboard squeaking very loudly. It wasn't music exactly. It sounded as though someone was sitting at the piano bench, pounding the keys up and down the scale with both fists. And then there was the voice. Something was making single-syllable noises in time with the music. Blah, blah, la, la, blah, it sang, as whatever it was banged on the keys. It was not a tune. It was not a song. It was merely a series of discordant notes and noises that sounded like a rambunctious child was playing a concert just for me. But it wasn't a child, not in the middle of the night. Every hair on my body stood on end as I tried to rouse my coworkers. Mike, Mike, wake up, Mike. I whispered the words as loudly as I could while shoving and punching Mike in the sleeping bag, hoping the things upstairs didn't hear me. But Mike continued snoring like a bear. Jason, dude, wake up, man. What the hell is that? I tried kicking him through his bag, but there was no response. What was wrong with these guys? Were they deaf? Were they dead? Was the thing upstairs dead? I tried not to think about it. All I knew was I had to pee, and the closest restroom was up those stairs, and I wasn't going up there at gunpoint, and hopefully it wasn't coming down here either. At the risk of disturbing the thing upstairs, I finally succeeded in waking my friends, who were less than happy about it. I tried to explain what I heard, but they wouldn't listen. Go back to sleep, was all they said. Easy for them to say. I must have scared it, because... Things got quiet after that, even though nothing human walked out of the room. Old floorboards don't lie. I stayed awake the rest of the night, hunkered down in my bag, too scared to sleep, and my bladder about to burst. When morning came, we all went upstairs together. I tried to tell them again what I heard, but they just laughed and razzed me about it. When I checked the door to the piano room, it was locked, as were the windows. I stayed on the job for about six more months. And that wasn't the only time weird things happened in old churches we worked on. There were witnesses to other events, some of them truly terrifying. I'm much older now, but I don't go into churches after dark. Not alone, anyway. Very cool. All right. And we go now to the Greenville Advocate where they have an article, Butler County Church Haunted by Tall Tales. All right, by Andy Brown. Nestled deep in the woods near Butler County in Covington County lives, stands Consolation Church. This country church has gained quite the reputation over the years, but for reasons that may be unexpected. The small wooden church located in Oakley Street has developed a reputation of paranormal magnet. For years now, stories of banshees, hellhounds, ghosts, ghost riders, and even a haunted outhouse at the church have circulated throughout the county, state, and even the nation. One of the most common legends shared about the church is that of a Gaelic banshee, whose shrieking, sobbing, and whimpering can supposedly be heard from wooden walls of the church, signaling that someone inside the church would soon die. Another story claimed that hellhounds with glowing red eyes roamed the cemetery just in front of the church. 
The cemetery, which houses graves dating back to the early 1800s, is the final resting place of several men who served in the Confederate Army. It's rumored that those who visit the church can hear sounds of soldiers marching. But the Banshee or Banshees, Hellhounds, and Confederate soldiers aren't the only ghosts rumored to haunt the church. There are also stories of two children that haunt the property. The first is a small boy playing with a ball. Sometimes he appears to those who visit the church. Other times, only his laughter can be heard. Legend has it that if this boy, whose presence is accompanied by a sudden cold wave of air, rolls the ball to a person, and the person picks up the ball and rolls it back to the boy, that person will soon die. The second is a small girl. She appears and skips down the road before disappearing again. Another story associated with the church involves a black 1964 Ford pickup truck and a ghost rider. The story goes that if a visitor loiters at the church for too long, the night of a full moon, the truck will appear and chase the visitors. If the truck catches up with the visitors, their vehicle will crash, killing everyone in the vehicle. The final tale linked to the Consolation Church is that of an outhouse that sits just a few yards behind the church. Legend has it that if someone enters the outhouse, the door will shut and lock behind them, holding them prisoner until someone from outside opens the door. All right, and then they investigated it and didn't see any confirming things of, you know, that happening. So assuming that it's all tall tales... Um, it says the door to the church has been removed. The windows ha that have not been boarded up previously have shattered glass clinging to their frames. The pews have been removed from the building and burned, and the wooden floor of the church is stained with a pentagram reportedly painted there by a group of teenagers. All right, we go now to uh, PNW. UMC.org, where they say haunted, even Wesley's heard bumps in the night. All right. Churches have haven, churches are havens of safety, places of worship and respite, a heavenly pathway to God. But that doesn't mean they can't have their own tales of unexplained happenings. Some United Methodist churches, cemeteries, and at least one home of a well-known Methodist reportedly having things go bump in the night, in the dark, or daylight, when no living soul is around. The most famous Methodist of all, John Wesley, was believed to have a ghost in his childhood home that his family named Old Jeffrey. Old Jeffrey plagued the Epworth Rectory with mysterious loud noises and knockings and made his first appearance December 2nd, 1716. Susanna Wesley was quoted as saying, There was such a noise in the room over our heads as if several people were walking, then running up and down the stairs, that we thought our children would be frightened. As she and her husband searched the house in vain for the culprit, Old Jeffrey continued rattling and thundering in every room and even blowing an invisible horn at deafening decibels. Old Jeffrey disappeared in January 1717, just as suddenly as he appeared. Thirsty, loud spirit. The Reverend Tim Morrison, pastor of Spencer, Ohio, United Methodist Church, might take some comfort from Wesley's experience. 
Warson has heard and seen several unexplained things in his church. One day, while sitting in his church office, he heard what sounded like someone kicking the metal cabinet in the room next door. It was a rhythmic pattern, but I just tried to pretend like it wasn't happening. As the noise continued, Morrison thought perhaps an animal had somehow been trapped in the cabinet, so he went to investigate. No animal, no one else in the building. Right. He returned to his desk, and the knocking started again. Must be a thirsty ghost, since Morrison had also seen the water fountain come on and the handle turn when no one was around. He hasn't been scared off, but his experiences did lead him to post a question on Facebook. How many strange noises would you sit through in an empty church before you got freaked out? Just curious. One friend replied, I think there, it's great there's someone or something else at church. How do I get them to help with church chores? Morrison isn't frightened. He knows whatever it is, it's not evil, just mischievous. United Methodist News Service posed a question on Facebook asking if anyone else had unexplained spooky church sightings to report. Nancy Jill Hale wrote, Several years ago, a friend and I were practicing a duet on the piano in the sanctuary one evening when it was dark. While we were playing, we both stopped at the exact same moment, looked across the room, and said, Did you see that? Of course, nothing was there, but we both swore we saw the shadow of someone walking down the aisle. Needless to say, we quickly closed up the piano and left the building. Another responder, Jeff Bobin, said, One night after midnight, I was in my church office when I heard what sounded like banging in the basement. When I went downstairs, I couldn't find anyone, and then I heard footsteps on the floors above me in the hall. I never did find anyone in the building, and the only door that someone could go out had a bell that rang when you entered the door. Little girls and wailing banshees searching the internet turned up some other United Methodist-related ghost stories, like the man in the black business suit who glides up and down the aisles in First United Methodist Church, Evanston, Illinois. Wailing banshees occupy the now-abandoned Oakey Streak Methodist Church in Red Level, Alabama. Visitors have reported hearing the laughter of a small boy and a little girl who skips down the dirt driveway leading to the church. Morrison said that his church location might explain what he has seen and heard. Spencer United Methodist Church is located next to a famous and well-documented haunted cemetery. People report seeing one or two lanterns floating free in the air as if held by invisible hands. Michael Chance, one of the UMNS Facebook responders, has an answer to all the ghost stories in churches. Noises of other unexplained goings-on, just the saints of the church watching over things. Alright, so now we go over to nolaghost.com, where they have the haunting of St. Louis Cathedral. Pierre-Antoine is the most commonly spotted ghost at St. Louis Cathedral. He's easily recognizable. There's a large portrait of him at the church. He's usually seen on the balcony or the altar, especially near the holidays. Members of the Catholic Church in New Orleans say that his apparition appears on the altar during the midnight mass holding a candle. 
Pierre Antoine's spirit is most commonly seen in the alleyway that bears his name. He appears early in the morning, humming church songs under his breath. He's been seen in the alley for almost 100 years, first being sighted in 1924. Witnesses say they've seen him in other parts of the city as well, like near St. Louis Cemetery or around the French Quarter at night. Pierre de Gobert is a common sight in the cathedral as well. They say he can be heard singing a hymn, uh, Kylie, Kylie, on rainy mornings. He tends to walk out of the St. Louis Cathedral and stroll down Pirate's Alley, humming the entire way. When Spain took over the city in 1768, a group of French Creoles ousted the new Spanish governor. Spanish, Spain didn't appreciate the revolt and sent their soldiers to crush the revolt. Five surviving Creole ringleaders were rounded up and shot. The Spanish ordered the bodies not to be buried. De Gobert and his men went to retrieve the bodies under the nose of the Spaniards. De Gobert gave them a proper burial and the church grounds. They say that Pierre de Gobert hangs around to keep watch over the rebels. The ghost of the pirate Jean Lafitte has been seen walking through Pirate's Alley, though some doubt it's actually Lafitte. Locals say it's another pirate by the name of Reginald Hicks. Hicks fell in love with a beautiful Creole woman just a few months before the War of 1812. He rushed to get married after finding out that his lover was pregnant with his child, as he didn't want his kid to be illegitimate. The only priest that would marry them was a German priest, who was in, pr in the prison next to the St. Louis Cathedral. The priest came to the fence at Pirate's Alley and married Hicks and his lover. Hicks later died in the war, and it's said that his ghost haunts the alleyway, where he and his wife tied the knot. Also, the ghost of Delphine La Lurie of La Lurie Mansion has been spotted walking the aisles of the church. She, has, she was known to go to Mass and worship at the St. Louis Cathedral. It seems that her spirit still comes to pray at the cathedral. So, one story I can tell you from my sister, who is a church secretary, is that um, she has heard people in the church whenever she is the only one in there and has no explanation for it but probably her weirdest story isn't supernatural at all it just leaves questioning why would somebody do that <laughs> and that is when someone dropped off a urn of ashes at the church with no explanation and the custodian put it on my sister's desk <laughs> which my sister was like, oh, what's in this box? Oh, an urn. Um, <laughs> why was this put in here? Uh, this is not okay. Uh, we need to <laughs> get this out of my office as soon as possible. So they ended up taking care of it or whatever, but uh, my sister was also kind of like, why would they drop off these ashes either someone's relative didn't care and thought maybe a church would take care of them or someone's relatives had these ashes and weird stuff started happening so those were the only two options in my sister's mind so <laughs> she was definitely like someone take care of these uh ashes and not leave them on my desk <laughs> 
So that was pretty freaky. Um, we do have a story that was submitted on the Facebook um, about an, a person fixing an organ. So I'll go ahead and read that to you now. I used to work as a pipe organ builder. So I've been in lots of churches for my job and seen some weird things. One evening, I was working in a 19th century church in downtown Cincinnati. We were in the process of restoring the organ and reassembling it in the church. I was working in the church late one night after all my coworkers and the church staff had left. The pastor locked the church so no one could wander in while I was working. As I was inside the organ working, I saw through a small opening a pair of men's leather shoes. From my view, it looked like someone was standing in front of the organ. I thought it was strange the church was locked and I didn't hear any footsteps or doors opening. I went out to the front of the organ to see who it was, but there was no one there. Again, no sounds of footsteps. I promptly packed up my tools and got out of there. Alright, thank you for submitting that story. Very spooky. Alright. So now I plan on going through Reddit and seeing all that they have to offer as far as personal accounts of spooky churches. Here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so now we turn to Reddit, which for me is like, I love getting stories from Reddit because it feels like the unfettered Wild West of information, whereas everything else seems like formal, uh, articulated articles. Reddit is a place for people to share their experiences, so I really like it. Um, I will begin by sharing a guide to exploring abandoned churches um, because it's something that I found years ago on the internet and kind of made me want to do a spooky church episode. So, a guide to exploring abandoned churches. If you go alone, don't bring a flashlight. You'll see things you don't want to. Don't bring groups bigger than 12. Bring water and some snacks, but no wine. If you have to sleep there, sleep in the sanctuary, but not on a pew. If you try to read the hymnal, the words won't be English anymore. The Bibles will be blank unless you confess. Don't go into the confession booth. The man talking to you is not the priest, and you don't want to know what he really is. The cross hanging on the wall changes locations. Don't look at it for too long. If you see someone praying at the altar, don't approach them. If they approach you, don't talk to them. Leave immediately. If you hear the organ playing while you're in the basement, 
know that your time is running out. If it plays while you're in the sanctuary, your time is up. Take whatever you want, but if you find that one of your personal possessions is missing, don't look for it. Let them have it. It's not worth your life. If you have a rosary, or if you find a rosary, don't put it on. It won't help. The water isn't holy anymore. Throwing it on the demons in the shadows won't work. Drink the wine if you never wish to leave. Don't get separated from your friends. If you spend the night, leave at sunrise, otherwise you'll enter another plane of reality with no way back. If you don't spend the night, leave the door leave through the doors that you came through. You might look behind you after leaving and see the church isn't there anymore. It means that they took what they wanted. Never enter the same abandoned church twice, even if you forget something inside. That's a lore. On your second tour through, they will know enough about you to keep you there. And then some additions that have been recently added. Ignore the animals. Don't pet them. Don't follow them. They aren't animals. You don't want to know what they are. If you hear children, leave. Even if they sound lost or scared, leave. Don't bother trying to be quiet. They know that you're, you're there. Sometimes you may hear a choir singing. That is not good. Don't confess to them. They don't want you to be free from your sins. That's not their job anymore. Mortals mean nothing to them. They never have. If the staircase seems recently used, keep away from them. If the stairs are perfectly clean, run away. You may feel something watching you. Don't turn around. Your eyes upset them. The emergency exit downstairs doesn't exist for you. It doesn't exit to the world you want. They're pretty. So, so pretty. Don't look. Don't follow. Don't speak. All right. Very cool. Um, and spooky. <laughs> Let's get into some Reddit stories. All right. This one is called, I used to clean my church building in the middle of the night. No more. For a couple of years now, I've been working part-time for the church I attend. The hours are flexible, and it's a nice way to feel like I'm helping out while also making a little extra money each week. The job is mostly menial labor. There are so many activities that take place in the building throughout the week that there are always tables and chairs that need to be set up and taken down. The floors require mopping at regular intervals, and the vacuums rarely get a rest. And when churches have food pantries, Someone has to check the mouse traps. The layout of the building resembles a TIE fighter, if that makes sense. The sanctuary is in the middle, and it is spacious cathedral-style auditorium that has three-story ceiling and a baptistry built into the wall behind the stage. On each side of the sanctuary, there is a massive wing annex. The wings are two-story rectangular buildings with long hallways that branch out in dozens of classrooms conference rooms, and office space. Essentially, the building has a quirky, disorienting quality to it. It is easy to walk out of a room into a long hallway and turn the wrong direction. The church was built in phases, so the walkways aren't always logical. The only way to get from one wing to the other is to walk a winding path all the way through the center building, 
passing by the sanctuary. A few months ago, some commitments in my schedule changed, and to accommodate everything, I started working the occasional night shift at the church. Not often, but perhaps one night every couple of weeks, I would come to the church after hours and work alone. There's a running joke about the church secretaries that no one wants to be the last one alone in the building because it creaks and makes sounds. This never bothered me. During college, I worked the graveyard shift at a grocery store. After a while, you get used to the sounds that a building makes when it cools off during the night. My church is no different, and it has its own language. The dull humming of water fountains, the pattern of tree branches slapping the windows on windy nights, the occasional crash of the ice maker dumping out another batch of cubes. That last one stops your heart for a few beats if you've never heard it before. When I work at the church during the day, I plug in earbuds and drift away into some esoteric playlist as I zoom through the brainless tasks. No one really bothers me, and I can glide through the building with little interruptions. At night, however, I didn't wear earbuds. There are hundreds of people in the congregation with keys or access codes to get in the building. You never know who might pop in at midnight to return a DVD or look for a pair of eyeglasses left in a pew. I didn't want to be stacking chairs and get surprised by a little old lady sneaking up behind me. I probably would have yelled a word you're not supposed to yell in church. Besides, the building always felt a little weird at night. I wasn't feeling, wasn't a feeling of fear, not exactly, but more of tenseness, a sensation of always being on edge, a heightened state where there is no white noise and every sound reaches your ears, like your eyes are worried and fixating on every shadow they can find. After working four hours like this and driving home, I would be exhausted, like I had been there for 20 hours. It's not that the church wasn't safe. The first thing I always did when I worked at night was to lock myself in the building. The perimeter was armed with a security system, and there were motion lights in every hallway. Most areas in the building were under video surveillance. It just felt weird. I had worked a dozen or so night shifts without losing my soul or anything. There were a few fun scares. On a couple of occasions, I would find the motion lights in the hallway had been triggered even though the building was otherwise empty. I made a game of making up wild theories to explain the phenomenon until Daryl, the white-haired facilities director, informed me that the motion lights periodically malfunction. Although there was a rumor that at night the elevators sometimes ran up and down without provocation, I kept waiting for this to happen on my watch, but it never did. I finally decided it was probably all just secretary's story. I always thought that when the darkness came for me, it would be something blood-curdling, like something, some kind of epic scare, like a voice screaming my name, or me walking into the church nursery and finding a ghost of a little girl playing with toys. When it happened, though, it wasn't like that. It was 1 a.m. or so in the morning. I was walking the vacuum from one corner of the church to the other, and I heard a sound that did not belong. In the heightened state of working alone, you hear everything. I knew all the sounds that belonged, and this one did not. It was the sound of water splashing. It brought my body to a complete stop, and I listened carefully. The splashing was continuous, on and on, not changing volume or direction. 
the closest thing I can relate to it is my children giving my children a bath. When you give small children a bath, they can't keep their hands still. It's just a series of splashes of water being pushed back and forth. I'm a large man, and it embarrasses me to admit how much the sound rattled me. I have no idea why, but in that moment, I just kept thinking about my sweat. When I worked at night, I always had a little sweat going. And in that instance, I got such a chill, I could feel exactly where each bead of moisture was on my forehead and across the creak of my, crease of my back. I could only come up with two options. Either I blundered towards the sound like an idiot in the horror movie, or I got out of there. I guess fight or flight had kicked in because I quickly dismissed running away. I had some adrenaline pumping, and I was determined not to lose my man card. I decided to go halfway to the sound, at least close enough to figure out where it was coming from. It was the baptistry. I propped open the wooden do double doors to the sanctuary and peered into the darkness. The splashing sound was coming from the front of the auditorium where the stage was. It had to be the baptistry. I might have to be brave, but I wasn't a brave moron, so I turned on all the lights. As quietly as I could, I walked down the center aisle. The sound seemed louder as I got closer. Splish, splash, splash. When it was not in use, we kept the baptistry covered with movable floor platforms. When the platforms were in place, you could walk right across the top of the tub. Sometimes the ladies in the church would set flower arrangements on the platforms, since the opening in the wall was right behind the stage. I made my way to the stage. Within about 20 feet or so, of the sound. By this time, I had come up with a good scientific explanation. It was a busted pipe. I had better crawl through the crawl space underneath the baptistry and shut off the valve before the water, there was water damage. Yeah, right. My adrenaline could get me no closer than 20 feet. I walked back to the pews, pulled out a Bible out of one of the chair back pockets. I thought I should read some scripture verses out loud. Before I could say a word, the sound stopped. I held on to the Bible and quietly walked across the stage, very slowly. I looked over the edge. All the platforms were in place and nothing looked disturbed. I knew I needed to lift one of the platforms up. Part of me wanted to. The only time we ever kept water in the baptistry tank was when there was a baptism service upcoming, and we did not have one scheduled, as far as I knew. Now what? I thought of calling Daniel. I thought of leaving a note explaining what I heard. I even thought about budging the platform and poking my phone in to take a picture. But I couldn't. I had done enough to protect my man card. If there was no sound, there was no problem. On the way home that night, it hit me. It, it had been a mouse. Someone had left water in the tank, and a mouse had fallen in and drowned. Or maybe it was a rat. We had killed a rat once in the pantries. A couple days later, I got a text from Daryl. It said, I saw your handiwork this morning, Matthew. I didn't think too much about it at the time, except how weird it was how old people always address you by your name in their texts. The next time I worked with Daryl at the church, my memory jogged back to his text. I asked him what it meant, and he chuckled. In the crawl space, he said, under the baptistry. The cold swept over me once more. 
the same chill that paralyzed me when I was alone in the building and heard the sound. This time, though, there were people in the church, and it was daytime. This time, I had the advantage. I convinced Daryl to come with me to the crawl space and show me. He walked around the side of the sanctuary, where a three-quarter door led underneath the stage into a claustrophobic pathway to the baptistry pit. There were nominal lights in the crawl space, and Daryl had a work light, too, so it wasn't too bad. I shuffled along behind Daryl until we were directly under the baptistry. A jumble of pipes ran alongside us, leading to the fiberglass underbelly of the tub. Daryl was a little confused as to why I wasn't owning up to the handiwork. Where is it? I whispered. Looked all around. Daryl smiled. He must have decided I was playing dumb that I thought I could pull one over on the old fool. But I wasn't playing dumb. There, Daryl said, pointing to the work light to the corner of the tank. I followed the beam of light until I saw it. There, on one corner of the tub, scratches had been dug into the fiberglass. Nine words, carved in three groups of three. Each letter drawn long, with its tail falling so far the words looked stretched and miserable. Frady Cat Matthew, scared to swim, book saved him. I didn't write that, I whispered. Daryl seemed bemused. Okay, he said, turning the work light to my face. Then who did? I bet Daryl carved that message. I don't remember telling him about the splashing sound, but maybe I did. Or maybe I wrote the message myself and somehow don't remember. It's easy to forget things. I bet you forget all sorts of things. I still work at the church, but I didn't work at nights anymore. My kids are getting older, and it's nice to be home in the evening. Got me another Bible for Christmas. Still got the old one, too. Don't go anywhere without one. Alright, that was spooky. Alright. Somebody replied, I know that feeling. The church I used to attend to used to be at elementary school in the 1950s. There was a lot of restoration required before we could hold services there. It was an upgrade from our former cramp church, and the price had been reduced. It wasn't a large school, but it had enough space for a 200-member congregation. It had a large auditorium, an adjunct, an adjacent childcare room with one-way window, bathrooms, and a downstairs cafeteria with a kitchen, and upstairs were there were classrooms perfect for Sunday school. Upon entering the building, the hallways lead you past the bathrooms, past the stairs that lead to the classrooms, past the doors that lead to downstairs to the cafeteria, and right to the auditorium where we held services. It struck me odd that the stairs that lead upstairs and downstairs were separate from each other, but it didn't bother me much until one particular night several years ago. It was New Year's Eve, and our church had a tradition to gather at the church at 10 p.m. and hold a service that lasted until 12 a.m. After the service, we would go downstairs to the cafeteria and eat a potluck dinner and have a merry time. After eating, the youth usually would leave and gather at someone's house for more intimate celebrations without the adults and children. Five or six years ago, when I was still went to that church, the youth chose to stay at the church after the New Year's potluck, as recently two classrooms were combined to create one larger classroom. 
The desks were replaced with foldable tables, and the room was beautifully decorated in blue and silver. There were blue and silver tablecloths, blue and silver ribbons hung from the ceiling. Even prop presents were wrapped in blue and silver wrapping paper on the mini stage. I was 14 years old and just starting to hang out with the youth, so I was thrilled. As time went by, fewer kids playing outside were heard, and the chatter of laughter of parents downstairs was reduced to a hush. It was getting late, and my parents wanted to go home, so I arranged a ride with a friend from youth and stayed. It was during a lonely walk down the long corridor to the bathroom that I started to notice how eerie and spooky the church looked at night. I never really got scared of the dark, but on this particular night, I felt my neck neck hair standing up and goosebumps riddling my arms. I brushed this feeling off as soon as I was reunited with the cheerful company of my friends. Several hours later, I'd say around 4am, we began cleaning and getting ready to head home. Unfortunately for me, my ride had to stay behind a little later than the rest to put away the dishes downstairs, turn off all the lights, and lock up. While many had already left, there were several of us lingering in the parking lot warming up the cars. From outside, we saw the lights turn out, and momentarily, my ride came out to lock up the doors. As I put on my seatbelt, my ride turns to me and asks if I can quickly run to the basement and grab a glass serving pan he forgot. Being younger and faster than he, I agree. As he begins chatting with the driver of the last car in the parking lot, I walk up the stairs to the main doors, unlock them, and turn on the lights in the main corridor, and walk to the basement. Besides the low hum of the air vents above, there was no noise. It was deathly quiet. I felt as if a blanket of spookiness had covered the church. No usual laughter or talking, just stillness. The goosebumps came back more intense this time, as I felt as if I were being watched. I quickly ran down the stairs leading to the cafeteria. However, as there was still some renovations going on downstairs, there were long sheets of plastic hanging from the ceilings, separating half of the kitchen from the seating area. Before I was able to enter the L-shaped kitchen, a large section of the plastic leaned at me, making the most unnerving, unnerving crinkling sound. I nearly jumped out of my skin, but tried to remain calm. I rationalized that as I came running down the stairs, a gust of wind must have moved the plastic sheet. I quickly grabbed the pan and bounded back up the stairs, checking to see if all the lights were out behind me. I glanced to my right down the corridor with all the classrooms. At the end of the hallway, I saw a dark, childlike figure swiftly walking from one room into another. At this point, I couldn't contain myself. I was so scared. I sprinted out of there as fast as I could. I told my story to a few close friends from youth, but all brushed it off saying it was shadows playing tricks on my mind. I couldn't help but feel that the old school we brought was haunted. Another person says, that reminds me of my old church. It was a relatively new building when the church bought it in the 70s, but it's definitely old now. I felt uneasy in it in general. There's no single incident that weirded me out. There was a gymnasium across the parking lot from it. The gymnasium is what really scared me. We had been attending the church for as long as I could remember. My parents had been married in the church, but I attended it until I was 12. When I was 8 or 9, I had a sense of adventure and loved to wander into places I might not be allowed to wander into. 
but there was no written or spoken rule, so I would, so off I would go. In the gymnasium, I tiptoed upstairs while my parents were in the church talking with other grown-ups. I wanted to see where the teens had their Sunday school. It was a nice room, but I had a naturally blue color to the walls. That was nothing to do with the story. I simply hated that particular shade of blue. It was late summer, and the school desks were piled to the ceiling next to the resting lockers. I lightly stepped through the dark hallway, lit only by the small window in the door at the end, leading to the outside. I felt drawn to the door, probably because it was a source of light, and I was beginning to feel very unnerved by my surroundings. I got to the door and looked outside. The window was warped and discolored by years of temperature fluctuations, so there wasn't much to see outside. All of a sudden, one of the folding chairs behind me shifted and slid to the floor with a loud bang. I swallowed my scream, my heart racing. I tore out of there as quickly as my scrawny legs could carry me. I was scared to look behind me. I imagined that all manner of creatures was chasing me, and I didn't stop until I was downstairs again. It wasn't the first time I went up to that hallway, and it certainly won't be the last. Should I ever pay them a visit again? It's really a wonderful church. Right, this one is, why are abandoned churches scary? So if churches are supposed to be holy and safe, why so abandoned churches feel scary and unsafe? For example, imagine you're lost somewhere at night, possibly being spooked about something not human following you, and stumble upon an abandoned church. On one hand, I want to stay there till morning because it's a church, so I should be safe from any entities or bad things. On the other hand, I'm scared because I almost feel like an abandoned church is like a beacon for bad. I think churches are scary in general. Look at the opulence afforded off the backs of the poor. Think about all the corruption in the church, the scandals, the lip service. A lot of religious people have very dark side and use religion to absolve them from atrocities. There's a lot of people that say that it stems from Hollywood and horror movies and ghost stories. Alright, going back to Reddit, we have one, the church is haunted, pastor thinks we're crazy. Alright. Years ago, for a church event I was forced into going to, we all had a terrifying experience. The setup was boys slept anywhere they wanted downstairs, and the girls were free to sleep wherever upstairs, except some rooms were locked off because the church was being renovated. Anyway, I didn't matter. it didn't matter too much as we were a small group. Night rolls around and us girls migrated into the nursery, and most of the guys just crashed in the small indoor gym basketball court. Only one guy couldn't sleep. Above the basketball court are windows to another room that was locked off, and one of the guys kept seeing flash, flashing lights and the silhouettes of people looking down on him. He didn't stay in the gym long. Around the same time, myself and other girls were playing apples to apples in the nursery. The door was closed, and next to it was a one-way mirror. Inside was like a mirror. It was so kids couldn't see their parents coming to check on them and fuss. Well, I started hearing banging and scratching on the door. I freaked and looked it up to see two grinning faces staring back at all of us, remembering we're on the mirror side, so one of us bolted towards the door, and we hear stomping down the hall, but no one was there. Pastor came up 
screaming at us, saying, we were all just imagining it, but we know what we saw and heard, and all of us refused to go back. Someone said, I always wondered if a lot of churches were haunted. It always felt like they were. And maybe because I'm indigenous and a majority of my family members have been sexually, physically, and psychologically abused by priests and nuns and other church employees. My grandmother was beaten so badly by church members at the residential school she grew up in and was unconscious for almost three days. There weren't, they weren't going to get her medical treatment at all. But luckily, someone found her and reported the incident to authorities. We later saw in the news that a mass grave of indigenous children were found on the grounds of the residential school she went to. My grandmother said a lot of kids would just go missing and would be reported as runaways, or they'd been told that they got transferred to another school. But she believes they probably died as a result of beatings, and their deaths have been covered up. Right... Someone said, as an investigator of paranormal activity, I would love to investigate a haunted church. I understand that by biblical standards, ghosts are unacceptable. The Babbage church I grew up in always said that a ghost was just a demon trying to trick us into believing it was a ghost to test our faith in God. The Bible, God's word, says that when we die, we go into limbo, purgatory to the Catholics, to await the day of judgment when it will be decided where we will spend all of eternity, heaven or hell. There's no room for ghosts in the doctrine. So the hardline answer is, it was your imagination. Nothing happened. Usually, investigations only happen if the church dissolves and the property is sold. All right. Somebody replied, I went to a private Christian university. It used to be an old mall complex in the 70s. If I remember right, there's been a lot of couple deaths prior to it becoming a university. The dorms are now, er, the dorms are an old hotel motel. There'd be unexplained faces appearing in photos, doors slamming, bed shaking, voices, even as far as people walking, waking up with scratches in one or two specific rooms. Somehow I became one of the people called to handle or debunk it because I kept bringing it up and wouldn't drop the things weren't right. Everyone had a huge sense that there was a darkness over administration for years. Lo and behold, turned out our president was doing and even enabled some shady stuff to happen. A couple years later, he left, and it feels entirely different when visiting now. My church has two locations. One has always been beyond creepy. Like, I hated the basement. It, been, it made me feel like I had been down there alone. I wouldn't come back. As a four-year-old, if I played on the nursery... I felt like something was watching me from the closet. It always unnaturally darkened the church, like right, like light couldn't properly penetrate the air, it seemed. Even the people's faces seemed darkened. The whole atmosphere felt oppressive. I used to tell my grandma I didn't like going to the church because the people there were not happy. I always used to have nightmares about being chased through the cemetery by a skeletal demonic-like thing. I did not like that church, though I did find it oddly fascinating in the same way. I am fascinated by truly haunting stories, also terrified of them, and uncomfortable and I can't sleep for nights after watching those programs. Anyway, I've grown up in church and gone to Christian college, but I'm particularly, I'm not particularly religious. 
I had a friend from that church too, who was quiet about her ability to see spirits. Her mother knew. Somehow, pastor gets told. This happens around the time they are renovating the floor of the creepy church, which was built in the 1800s. When they pulled up the floor, they found a pentagram in the floor. There was always also a figurine that had a demon inside of it. My friend could see, and the pastor had to do some exercising thing. I don't know the word that Protestants do for making demons leave. I think exorcism is purely Catholic, but I don't know. Weird thing is, they all kept this on the down low. I don't know about it during it at all. But when I went back there, I commented that the place was brighter and lighter feeling. Even the basement lost the bad vibe. I told my grandmother this, and that's when she told me about the pentagram they found in the floor and my friend helping with the figurine. I got the whole story in detail from my friend when I went to school the next day. Felt like it validated all the bad vibes I used to get. All right. This one is called Haunted Church. My dad was a pastor at church for four years. Many people had died in this church before we got there. Of course, over these four years, some of the craziest, most unexplainable stuff had happened. I'm here to tell you a few of the best ones. My parents went to Maine every year. I had gotten tired of the trip and decided to stay home. I went over to the church to grab some snacks from the back of the old sanctuary. I went to the back of it where the snack booth was. Mind you, this was in the middle of the day, so it was completely lit up through the old stained glass windows. I bent down to grab some drinks from the mini fridge under the counter. When I got back up and turned to walk out the door, I saw this figure standing in the doorway. No eyes, no mouth, no nose, no ears. Just a bald head wearing a long, dark robe. As soon as I saw it, it vanished like that. Safe to say, I ran out of there as fast as humanly possible. Another time, my cousin came over to spend the night at my house. We wanted to play PS4, but the other controller was over in the church. So I walked across the yard into the church. It was pitch black out. When we opened the door of the church, we might have made it two to three feet in before we heard the loudest blood-curdling scream I've ever heard from the bank of the new sanctuary. We ran out of that door and back into my house so fast. My cousin was on the verge of crying, saying he was never going in that church again. The church had a preschool in it. They would change out the toys in the classes every now and then so the kids wouldn't get bored of the old ones. One time the teacher took one of the kids upstairs to help her pick out some new toys for the rest of the class. These old classes upstairs were used for storage of preschool toys, extra chairs, old desks at the time, so there was no one else up there except them. When the teacher was grabbing some toys, the kids had brought up to help, said, hey, look at those kids playing with those toys over there. When the teacher looked over, there was no one there. All right, somebody responded, I worked as a janitor at a church for seven or eight years. This church was originally built in the early 1900s and had existing original buildings to it, on top of new ones. The old ones were always creepy to be in alone. I had a handful of creepy experiences while working there. I'm a Christian, so I believe in demonic entities. There were specific buildings that just gave me the heebie-jeebies to be alone in. 
I fully believe there's a lot of spiritual warfare we cannot see going on in, in and around churches. I would turn every single light on and unlock every door on the specific floor I would be cleaning, just so I would know they were all open, in case any of them shut because my coworkers and I got creepy vibes from that feeling, and would hear footsteps running sometimes. It could have been someone, but it wasn't a frequently trafficked area on a weekday. We also heard accounts of pastoral staff being in there while all doors and cabinets repeatedly opened and slammed shut. I knew which buildings had been used previously for exorcisms and things that went on during the exorcism that will leave my mind, that will never leave my mind. So that already made me uneasy. But one time I was shampooing chairs in that particular room and the entire stack of chairs in front of me started to rattle and shake. I booked it out of there as fast as I could and sent a co-worker back with me to put them away. That happened to me two or three times while working there. And no, it wasn't machine or my fault with stacking the chairs properly that caused it. I remember one time I was cleaning the lead pastor's office when my headphones in and randomly all the hairs on my arms and back of my neck shot up. And I got this overwhelming feeling that something hating me and wanting to get me out. You can bet I immediately stopped what I was doing and left. I found out weeks later that the pastor was struggling with spiritual warfare and ended up resigning from his position because he couldn't deal with it any longer. I had spoke to a leader in the church about my experiences, and basically he said, yeah, it happens. A church isn't like a holy ground. Evil things are deflected from automatically. It makes perfect sense to have these experiences there. Because, religiously speaking, it's literally a battleground. Alright, very cool. This one is sleeping at an abandoned church. I was homeless for a few years after I turned 18. I was kicked out of my home by my mother because I was a mess up, and I had to live the hard life of being a bum. Being homeless leaves you with a permanent feeling of anxiousness and a sliver of fear buried within you at all times. You expect anything because you always have to be on edge. The main problem I had with being homeless was sleeping. I was getting enough money from working side jobs to not have to worry about food or clothes, but finding a suitable place to sleep was difficult. You always had to keep being detected. Sleeping in the woods was uncomfortable but the odds of cops waking you up and trespassing you are slim. I drifted around sleeping in unconventional and uncomfortable areas for quite some time before I discovered an abandoned church off the side road. The church was in pretty good condition and it was hidden off a side road, so the odds of getting arrested for sleeping there were low. The pews were torn out and the old stained glass windows were murky with dirt and dust. There was a roof and four walls and it wasn't infested with animals. So it was heaven. I brought a sleeping bag and some blankets, and I slept there about a week while I was trying to save up money to get an apartment for once. After a week of sleeping there, I came back to the church after a day of working and settled into my sleeping bag, ready to go to sleep. I heard the unmistakable sound of a piano, two keys being repeatedly hit. My pulse instantly skyrocketed. I grabbed the knife I kept on me at all times. I didn't even know there was a piano in the church. So where was the sound coming from? I slowly got up 
with the knife in my hand and started packing my things up. I was getting the hell out of there. As I slung my backpack over my shoulder, the sound of the piano cut off and was replaced by the sound of a door creaking open. Slowly, I froze again and stared outwards towards the altar where the sound was coming from. It was dark, and I didn't want to turn the flashlight on on my phone, so I stood there breathing heavily while I was willing my eyes to adjust to the darkness. The door behind the altar was swinging open by itself. I tried opening it when I first discovered the church, but it was locked and didn't want to break it down. The door was swinging open, and beyond the door was even pitcher black than the one I was currently experiencing. I remember I audibly whispered, F. I turned towards the main door, content on getting out before I saw anyone. As I turned, I heard the sound of the door swinging open to be replaced by the sound of it slamming open violently, and suddenly, a plank of wood fell from the rafters in the ceiling and clattered loudly onto the floor, feet away from me. A groan like a mixture of a machine grinding to a halt and a man in pain emitted from the door behind me that slammed open and literally sent chills up my spine. I slammed my way out of the church and started running up the road. I looked behind me to see the front door slowly shut by themselves behind me. I never returned. Okay. So there's a church that meets at midnight. When you live in the southern United States, you don't really notice how many churches there are. I run by five alone on my morning jog. After a while, they all just blend into the scenery, and they don't really build new churches these days. Why would they need to? There's such an abundance. My, my town did build a new church, though. No one talked about it, but one morning on my jog, there, there it was. I believe there used to be a used car lot there before, but now there was a staggering Gothic cathedral. To be honest, I didn't know if it was a Gothic cathedral. It just reminded me of Notre Dame. It might have been more stained glass than actual stone. Regardless, one morning around six, there it was. I came to a stop and looked at the stone buttresses. A lone gargoyle looked at, down at me. No one wondered why someone was wearing neon yellow this early in the morning. Then the tall oak doors swung open. I expected something more eventful, but couples and families spilled out and then milled around the doors, chatting and catching up. The sun was barely coming over the horizon, and there they were standing around in church clothes like it was one on a Sunday afternoon. Excuse me, I flagged down a woman in a green floral dress. What church is this? Our Church of the Immaculate, she replied, smiling. All are welcome here. I nodded, resolving to Google it later. When I got home, I mentioned it to my husband, that there was a new church on my route. I told him the name, and he raised his eyebrow. Oh, Catholics? I guess, I shrugged. Weird. It was really more of a Southern Baptist kind of town. Sure, there was a Catholic high school, but nobody actually sent their kids there. It was just there, like everything else. So the days went on like normal, but now there was just a new church. I ran my route every morning and always saw people milling about after their church service ended early in the morning. There was no marquee, so I approached one of the women standing outside the church again. She wore a purple dress with a white collar. I half expected her hair to be up in pins, too. Excuse me, 
What time does your service start? I asked. Midnight on the dot. You are always welcome to join us, she smiled. I told my husband when I got home about the news. A six-hour church service was unheard of. We barely made it through an hour without our stomachs growling for Sunday lunch. He raised his eyebrow and shrugged. Catholics, he said, and shook his head. Eventually, the curiosity got the better of me. Don't ask me why I did it. I just had to know. Everything in this town was so the same, and this was so out there. I mean, let's be honest. It's a town where the weirdest thing we have is a Catholic high school. We don't exactly have a lot going on. So I went. I parked the car on the street in the pitch black darkness and looked up as the cathedral loomed over me. I didn't really know how Catholic services worked, but I googled it and had some rudimentary Latin cheat sheets stuffed in my pockets. When I asked my husband if he wanted to come, he guffawed and rolled back over in bed. I was on my own. A woman greeted me at the door and handed me a bulletin. I turned it over in my hands and saw it was entirely in what I assumed to be Latin. My cheat sheet wasn't going to cut it here. Go figure. The interior was stunning. They weren't kidding when they talked about the cathedral ceilings. They soared impossibly high and came together in painted night sky on the ceiling, completely with twinkling white stars. The pews were in an orderly line and began at the very front of the sanctuary. I noticed they had red velvet stools at each pew, and I knew from reading online that these were for kneeling for prayer. More people shuffled in and took their places in the pews, and at midnight, exactly the large doors slowly shut themselves. The priest stood at the front and held a gold scepter. He had deep blue robes and matched the cathedral's night sky almost exactly. He must have had a microphone taped to him somewhere, because when he spoke, his voice rang out strong throughout the sanctuary. Not that it helped me understand him at all. It seemed the entire service was going to be in Latin. Catholics, right? I followed along with the rest as best I could and sang whenever everyone else sang, kneeled when everyone else kneeled. People were tense, though. As we all got on our knees, I saw the family to my left peer out from under their ducked heads, looking anxiously into the hall. The priest came around and began dabbing everyone's neck with scented oil. The woman to my right was quietly sobbing, her hand tight to her daughter's back. The priest made his way closer to them and stopped at the young girl's side. His booming voice throughout the sanctuary as he proclaimed something. It was in Latin, so I was at a loss, but the young girl's mother seemed to know. She stood up, her eyes wild, and faced the priest. He looked at her expectantly, like he wasn't quite sure she was going to do, but knew she was going to do something. He, she stared at him for a moment longer, then collapsed to her knees. The priest nodded and pulled a glittering knife across the young girl's neck. My scream went ignored by the throng of people now gathering around the girl's body. Her mother sobbed but accepted the chalice the priest offered her. She drank. The entire congregation drank from the same chalice and returned to their pews. I frantically looked for the exit while the priest made his way over to me. He was either going to murder me or make me drink from the cup, and I wasn't sure which one was worse. Finally, he approached me. He said something in Latin, but I couldn't understand. He saw that I didn't understand and spoke in plain English. 
Drink, my child, and be blessed, for the source is pure and given unto you, he said, and held the cup up to my lips. He dipped my head back and poured. It tasted like the time a soccer ball hit me right in the face in elementary school. Blood had immediately filled my mouth, and my mom took me for ice cream to stop me from crying for the entire rest of the day. I never thought I'd taste that much blood ever again. That Then everything was a blur. I only remember faint bits about it. But there was silk and large table dressed in gold cloth. Someone had led a deer into the sanctuary. All right, so that last story got cut off, but basically she survived the night and went to the police, and they were like, ma'am, that those are not Catholics. <laughs> but I digress. Um, I did have my friend submit a story um, on the Facebook page. Um, she said, my church growing up had a cemetery behind it. I used to have lock-ins there. One night I woke up at like 3 in the morning to see shadow figures go past the basement windows. It freaked me out so bad, I threw the covers over me and tried to go back to sleep. I never said anything because, you know, Baptists don't believe in ghosts. Very, very cool. All right. So that does it for me. I know it was a long episode. Uh, thank you all who submitted stories. I really appreciate it. And yeah, this has been a really spooky episode. So if you would like to join us on the Facebook group, it is Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz is in parentheses. So Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz. Um, I post spooky memes there and also your stories whenever you submit them. All right. That does it for me. Stay out of those abandoned churches and stay spooky, my friends.